It's the Americhicks with Kim Monson. Now, while this is all going on, I went through President Trump's speech and uh, Chuck and Nancy's rebuttal. The most important story. The American people finally said enough, and that is why they elected Donald Trump. The latest in politics and world affairs. Britain's version of Medicare for All is struggling with long waits for care. And opinions and ideas that prepare you to tackle the day ahead. Because ideas matter. It's the Americhicks. Dissecting issues as right versus wrong instead of right versus left. Agree or disagree, let's have a conversation. Indeed, let's have a conversation. Welcome to the AmeriChicks with Kim Munson. We are having conversations about those important issues out there. We've got a great show planned for you today. Uh, We're going to be going through some important headlines in segments one and two. Segments three and four, we'll be talking with Rob Nadelson. Uh, He has written a very important piece says, advocates of socialism should know its horrific history. And we're going to be talking about socialism on a regular basis because uh, there are many that have been romanticizing socialism. They see the word social in there. They think that socialism is social. It's not very social at all. What they want to do is uh, take other people's stuff and give it to other people. And uh, the elites then take money, uh, take their cut as the money goes by. So we'll be talking about socialism on that. Steve, did you have a happy Father's Day? Yes, it was, uh, as we were just sharing a little while ago, I'm just sitting here totally cracking up over the antics of my, what, 17, 18-month-old grandson. He's the proverbial kid running around with a butter knife looking for an (laughs) outlet to stick it in. It's just on the go, looking for trouble all the time. Uh, So you're glad you're the grandfather and not the father, Oh, my gosh. I I don't know that I could handle that. You know, I did something really special for Father's Day. <clears throat> One of the World War II veterans who I've interviewed, Ralph Whitlock, he lives right here in the metro area. In fact, he sings with the Parker Chorale. So he's in his 90s, and he has a beautiful voice, an operatic voice. And I got a, an email from him that said that he was going to be singing at, uh, at his church uh, yesterday morning and uh, a really beautiful piece and, and invited me to come out. And so that's what I did. And it was a beautiful, beautiful piece regarding the prodigal son, which was very appropriate for Father's Day. And uh, it was just really, really special. And he has an amazing voice, had the lyrics completely memorized. He's in his 90s. And uh, I talked to, with him af- afterwards and and he said, you know, we just have to continue to strive for excellence, strive to do better and better. And I tell you what an inspiration that was. So uh, great Father's Day on that. Uh, wanted to just again remind you, uh, as we're going to be talking about socialism, that the real question, and whenever we look at any of these issues out there, you can really boil it down to freedom versus force, force versus freedom. And socialism is force. And free people don't really like force that much. And uh, young millennial... Uh, Dr. Stephen Kessler, Ph.D., uh, has us ask three questions when we're trying to, to take a look at these different issues when we're talking with, with others about this is, first of all, do you have any skin in the game? Because if people have skin in the game, they make better decisions. Secondly, are we bringing people up or are we yanking them down? And lastly, you felt good, but did you do good? And you can actually take all of these things that we're talking about and we're seeing a a socialization of important segments of our economy. And uh, we need to be pulling that back and working towards freedom. We've been moving to an administrative state instead of a representative state. 
And so you can see this in transportation, education, energy, housing, water, across the board. So we're going to get into headlines in just a moment. Before we... Before you... I got this really cool gift gift file or JPEG that I need to get to you and Zach, because every time you're going to post on socialism, this needs to run with it. It says, mice die in mousetraps because they do not understand why the cheese is free. (laughs) We may have to add that to our mantra there as well. Thank you, producer Steve. And to that... I want to say thank you to you, to Zach, to Patty, and Keith, keeping this train on the track. Greatly appreciate it. And thank you to our listeners. Uh, Greatly appreciate you as well. In fact, uh, when I was at church yesterday, a woman uh, uh, introduced herself, and I explained, you know, that I was there and that I had these these, uh, radio shows, and she said, I so appreciate your voter's guide. I wait until it comes out, and she said, I continue to check the website until you had that there, and I greatly, greatly appreciate it. So thank you to all you listeners out there. You are all truly valued and treasured. Now, our inspiration for today is a little long, but I was thinking about it yesterday, and it's like I really wish I could sing like Ralph Whitlock, but I can't. But I am going to, there is a song that I think is so important as we realize we are in this fight out there for our country. And, of course, it's the, the lyrics from the Man of La Mancha, To Dream the Impossible Dream. And it says, To dream the impossible dream, to fight the unbeatable foe, to bear with unbearable sorrow, to go where the brave dare not go, to right the unrightable wrong, to love pure and chaste from afar, to try when your arms are too weary, to reach the unreachable star. And this is my quest to follow that star, no matter how hopeless, no matter how far. To fight for the right without question or pause. To be willing to march into hell for a heavenly cause. And I know if I'll only be true to this glorious quest, that my heart will lie peaceful and calm when I'm laid to my rest. And the world will be better for this. That when man, scorned and covered with scars, still strove with his last ounce of courage to reach the unreachable star. And uh, for our funnies, as you know, I have found a crime a day from FreedomWorks. They tweet out a crime a day. uh, And these are things that are laws and regulations right here in the good old United States. So USC stands for United States Code of Laws. And uh, CFR stands for Code of Federal Regulations. So each of these things are in the laws and the regulations. So, Steve, did you know it's a federal crime for egg breakers in an eggplant to let their egg cups overflow? You're in the slammer for that one. (laughs) I'm speechless. Okay. Number two, did you know it's a federal crime to sell mozzarella cheese made made with a mixture of cow milk and water buffalo milk. Who would have thought? I, I'm so glad that they're out there protecting us on that. And lastly, it is a federal crime to accept campaign donations from foreign nationals if they total more than $2,000 in a calendar year. You know, and I thought about it. I mean, I think it's a little weird. You either can accept it or you can't. You know, so you have a limit on it. I don't know. I find that just a little interesting. I think if, if we don't want to have foreign nationals contributing to campaigns, then we should just not have them. We shouldn't have a $2,000 limit on that. So, okay, I want to jump into headlines. How are we doing on time here? That's the, that's the definition of bureaucracy or a prime example. 
Yeah. Either yes or no. But no, let's put this limit out there. Well, who's going to keep track of that? Right. Well, we'll hire somebody. Right. But see, I think that then what it does is it opens up the opportunity for cheating. That too. And uh, so that's why, you know, either yes or no. Okay. We've been trying to get to this, and I just, we just had so much going on last week. And this is from KDVR.com. Um, uh, says, big money is being spent to defeat a Lakewood ballot measure restricting development. And while it might not feel like it, it is election season in Lakewood, Colorado. Ballots have been mailed out for a special election on July 2nd. Initiative 200 seeks to limit development in the city, capping new housing projects at 1% of the city's current housing stock. The measure applies to new apartments, condos, and single-family homes. Projects over 40 units would need to go in front of city council. According to recent campaign finance reports, over 200000 has been donated by the National Association of Realtors to defeat the measure. The Colorado Association of Realtors donated 25000 and the Associated General Contractors of Colorado also donated 25000 As realtors, it's our job to ensure housing remains as attainable as possible. Question 200 is short-sighted policy that will increase the price of housing by driving up property taxes and mortgage payments. Growth is an issue, but 200's unintended consequences will hurt existing and future homeowners. And that's by LaDon Spearling with the Denver Metro Association of Realtors member, or she's a Denver uh, Metro Association of Realtors member and a Lakewood resident. Okay, Steve, I want to break this down just a little bit. I I don't think that uh, that that uh, restricting development is a good idea. Anytime you start to uh, put boundaries in, it's going to increase the cost of housing into that particular city. We've seen it though across the the metro area, and it's actually been done via. And when we had Randall O'Toole on, it's been done regarding these urban growth barriers. You're seeing these boundaries in all of these different cities. This is, I think, a bit of a knee-jerk reaction to some significant frustration that the the residents of Lakewood have. We're starting to see play out uh, all of these policies that uh, both Republican and Democrat mayors up and down the Metro Corridor have been pushing. And that is they've been pushing new development. You'll see these three- and four-story apartment buildings. And these um, planners come out of public administration, um, and that's a degree, at at colleges. They come out and notice it's the word administration. It's not representative government. It's public administration. And so you've seen across the country kind of this cut-and-paste policies. You know, all of a sudden you see all these you know, these bike lanes with the bicycle on it. Well, you see that throughout all the different metro area, throughout all the little cities here in the metro area. You're seeing up and down the corridor a push to build these, you know, four and five story uh, apartment buildings. And then the other push is, is they're right by light rail. They want to try to put people into light rail. And they're not putting enough parking spots, uh, approving enough parking spots for these apartment buildings. So now what you're seeing is they think that people give up their cars. They're not giving up their cars. Now, that since there's not enough uh, parking, these uh, people in the apartment buildings are now parking in the neighborhoods. And now that, that folks are starting to see the effects 
of these policies uh, for all these years, pushing people to light rail, on buses, to bicycles. They don't want to do that. Uh, they have been subsidizing much of these apartment buildings up and down the corridor. And all of a sudden people are like, I don't like this. I don't know what to do. And so you get to this point where they say no more growth because now they're seeing the policies of what has been happening up and down the corridor. Steve, do you have a comment? Who's who's behind? Who's the sponsor of Initiative 200? You know, I excuse me, I don't know for sure who who it is. Uh, I should have probably checked that out. I don't know who it is exactly. Well, the reason I asked the question is, okay, obviously they're coming with a certain mindset that says this particular city, Lakewood, and all the combined cities of the metro area have done next to nothing to give us a better in- infrastructure to handle this kind of growth. So, it, you know, it, I see their frustration in, in a move like this to say, hey, could we at least maybe pull back a little bit here? Until we get caught up in infrastructure that'll support this kind of population. Well, and the, I'm not you know, trying to get up one side or down on the other. Mm-hmm. It's just, where does it come from? Who's sponsoring this? And then when I see these other groups throwing big money at it and basically, you know, are they going to thwart the will of the people? I don't know. Well, I understand. And I really think that the Realtors Association, uh, they, you know, the the thing that they really should and I think ultimately think that they support is uh, private property rights, you know, and for people to have their own individual homes. And But I think that they have actually been in some ways um, hoodwinked uh, as, uh, as they've ended up supporting, and I don't think they really meant to, but they've supported these different policies that have uh, put, you know, is, is the policies are, are really antithetical to home ownership. And uh, and uh, I think that, uh, you know, right now we are finally seeing what has happened with that. People are frustrated. And if it was a free market thing, Steve, I'd be okay with it. But it's not a free market thing. You're seeing uh, subsidizing light rail significantly, just that little 2.3 miles down there by our house. Uh, it cost probably, the initial estimates were $207 million. When I was on city council and I looked at the contracts, though, the contracts were $256 million. And, uh, and so I don't know for sure where it actually came in at, but typically it doesn't come in under those estimates. And so you see that you're subsidizing there, and then you're seeing subsidizing, quote-unquote, affordable housing. And, uh, you know, we, the National Association of Realtors has said that 25% of the cost of housing is um, from rules and regulations, so how about we, we reduce those? So we're, we need to go to break, though. But I, I think that this is a knee-jerk reaction to a frustration of policies that have been happening, and people didn't really realize it because we don't typically go to city council meetings. And so I don't think, it's, I don't think that I really support the, the, the growth limit on it, but I understand their frustration on it. So we're going to go to break. Before we do that, though, the Rockies and the Padres split their four-game series. The Rocks are off today. They're traveling to Arizona for a three-game series with the Diamondbacks and then on to uh, L.A. with the Dodgers. And a great place to watch the games is Hooters. It's the place to be this summer. 
Enjoy Hooters Beach-worthy seafood items like amazing fish tacos, delicious snow crab legs with mouth-watering buffalo shrimp. That stuff is good. Uh, Hooters has plenty of ice-cold beer options to help you cool down this summer as well. And they've got a great lunch spe- uh, special. Nine items for 9 bucks, 11 to 3 p.m. Monday through Friday. You have nine delicious menu items. So you can uh, dine in, you can get uh, you can get your food to go, and, or you can have it delivered right to your front door. I think you have to be in the restaurant, though, for those specials. For more information, uh, yeah, more information, visit HootersColorado.com. That's HootersColorado.com. And let them know that you know the AmeriChicks. We'll be right back with more headlines. All AmeriChicks sponsors are an exclusive partnership with the AmeriChicks and are not affiliated or in partnership with KLZ or Crawford Broadcasting. If you would like to support the work of the AmeriChicks with Kim Munson and grow your business, contact Kim at AmeriChicks.com. That's AmeriChicks.com. Social media is important to the AmeriChicks, since it's an avenue we can utilize to hear from and speak to all of our friends. For those of you who enjoy listening to the show, we'd love to hear what's on your radar. Follow us and talk to us at AmeriChicks Twitter and Facebook pages. Also, if you're a business owner who could benefit from some extra foot traffic from like-minded friends, consider advertising on the AmeriChicks radio show. Contact us at AmeriChicks.com or email Kim at AmeriChicks.com. Don't miss Vino and Veritas, Wine and Truth, a study of the Federalist Papers. Join Kim Munson with the AmeriChicks at Water's Edge Winery in Centennial or Colorado Cork and Keg in Castle Rock. And now introducing Vino and Veritas in Fort Collins at Ginger and Baker. Kim Munson with the AmeriChicks would like to thank Auto FireGuard for sponsoring this fascinating exploration of the U.S. Constitution and sponsoring the new Vino and Veritas in Fort Collins. Kim Munson looks forward to celebrating U.S. Constitution Week in Grand Lake. Vino and Veritas, Wine and Truth, a study of the Federalist Papers. Sign up today at AmeriChicks.com. Welcome back to the Merit Chicks with Kim Munson, where we are dissecting issues as right versus wrong instead of right versus left, agree or disagree. Let's have a conversation. And uh, when I have a conversation about, uh, this is from the AmericanMirror.com. Headline, Denver council member wins with promise to impose communism by any means necessary. Candy DeBaca, I believe, won a runoff race recently against former Denver City Council President Albus Brooks. And she did it by promising to implement communist policies by any means necessary. Uh, DeBaca was among three candidates that unseated incumbents in the Tuesday, or, uh, recent Tuesday runoff. And she's already drawing comparisons to Socialist Congresswoman Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. Uh, It's historic, said Carlos Valverde, uh, state director for Colorado Working Families, a political activist group that supported DeBaca. It is a vein of Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. I I don't know what to say, Steve, that uh, we are actually um, electing known communists to our city councils right here in Denver. And um, people have got to, to wake up on what this is ultimately going to mean. Um, because, uh, you know, one of the things that they, they talk about is uh, people shouldn't have single-family homes. We should be sharing. And so you're going to start to see, you know, through taxes and, and different policies that's going to make it more and more difficult for 
people to have single-family homes in Denver because the planners want to move everybody into four-story apartment buildings and have you ride around on light rail, on bicycles, and buses. And it, uh, you know, people don't show up for many of these uh, elections like this. And when that happens, this is what happens. You know, the, when Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez was elected, I mean, the voter turnout was, was dismal. Uh, but these, It won't be the next time. You don't think so? No, I, I was starting to see some signs that maybe New Yorkers, are, well, her particular district is, is the Bronx? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, they're not really pleased, and uh, maybe this is a wake-up call, but uh, it won't be so dismal the next time. Okay, I wanted to just check one thing here. and um, I just go on to say, what this, young, this particular lady's comments, she, it, I, in my mind, it invokes a horse race. She's out of the gate, and she's speaking very boldly here. But after a couple city council meetings where people are, are out in the galleries lining up to, you know, chasing her, I guess, uh, you know, will she moderate? Well, I don't know. But I, I think that, and I'd first heard about this group several years ago. It's called Emerge. There's Emerge Colorado and there's Emerge America. And uh, the advisory board, and so what it is, and you can look it up. But, um, hold on here, I'm going to, it says, we are inspiring women to run, we're honing their skills to win. So what they're doing, they're first of all recruiting. It says, we find Democrat women who should run for office and get them into training programs. Two, they train them. They teach Democrat women the cutting edge campaign tools they need to run and win. Number three, they connect. They provide alumni with a powerful network of fellow alums, elected officials, and gatekeepers who can open doors, and they are really affecting elections. Okay, so I just looked it up, and this uh, Candy Sidabaka, I guess it is, I apologize. I do like to try to get everybody's names correctly pronounced, and I apologize on that. But uh, I took a look then at the advisory board for Emerge Colorado, and it is truly a who's who of, of women. Uh, Morgan Carroll, Christana Duran, um, here we go. Dickie Lee Hollinghurst, Dottie Lamb, Jean Nicholson, Faith Winner, Brittany Pedersen. Okay, now let's think about it. These are women. Dottie Lamb. They are training people that are winning elections, and that's very effective. But these women are communists and socialists and communists. I, I mean, I... I think the veil is off on what this, you know, what this agenda has been by the Democrat Party. It is pulling them further and further and further to socialism and communism. And um, and actually, there was a survey out that said a number of women actually think socialism is a good idea. So we have a very important job to do here, Steve, to continue to talk about you know, what the real effects are of socialism. Socialism isn't social. It ultimately hurts people. Well, if listeners haven't picked up on this particular story, look at these quotes. I don't believe our current economic system actually works. Strange. For the last 200 years, it seems to be doing quite well. Uh, What she goes on to say, capitalism by design is extractive, and in order to generate profit in a capitalist system, something has to be exploited. That's land, labor, or resources. Well, and she clearly does it in, in a capitalist society. 
in essence, people uh, and the free market makes keeps people pretty darn honest. And that is, is you need to develop a product or have a service that other people are willing to trade their hard-earned dollars for. It's not exploiting. It's providing a service. And uh, what exploits people is government. And um, and so, so she clearly doesn't have an understanding of what capitalism really is. And capitalism rewards people for doing a job well, for um, um, putting together a product or service that people are willing to trade their hard-earned dollars for. And a perfect example of that is the cell phone. Uh, I do not begrudge Steve Jobs for becoming wealthy, for um, you know, creating the iPhone. Uh, people have, you know, they trade a lot of their hard-earned dollars to buy these phones and all the different apps and all that kind of stuff because they feel that they're getting value and it makes their life better. Now, we could certainly talk about social media all across the board, but uh, I don't do not begrudge him because he created something that people were willing to share their hard-earned dollars for. So um, we're going to keep an eye on what's going on on Denver City Council, and each of you needs to keep an eye on what uh, who is being elected to your city councils as well. And we'll continue to watch that story. We're going to go to break here in just a moment. Before we do that, though, got Jay- we've got Jason McBride on the line. Hope you had a happy Father's Day, Jason McBride. I most certainly did. Thank you, Kim. And what's on your mind this morning? Well, it sent you over some info, uh, kind of thinking about is Social Security an entitlement? And I don't think it is 100% because we pay our own money into Social Security, and we have the idea, at least, that someday it will directly benefit us. And I don't know if I would consider that completely like an entitlement that you just want to get for not putting anything in for. Does that make sense? It does, and the employer also has to put money in. That's right. That's right. right. Both sides do have to put money in so but i think social security is a pretty good deal and it's a strong proposition uh, especially compared to what we have the chance to get out versus what we put in and i sent over some numbers kim Mm -hmm. trying to look at that uh if we take a worker that started let's say in 1978 age 26 and they hit the maximum earnings every year for the whole 40 years, they would have contributed about 177000 into the Social Security system. And if he or she is now age 66, uh, they would get a first-year benefit of about 2861 a month, which is over 34000 a year. And, Kim, that's guaranteed for life. Maybe beyond your own life, if you have a spouse, and it also has a cost of living adjustment built into it in most years. I mean, that sounds like a pretty good deal to me. Mm -hmm. So one question that comes up is, well, but I could do better if I just had that money and I invested it on my own. So I looked at these numbers. And then let's say over the 40 years, you just took that money and and invested it on your own to try to uh, match what Social Security does for you. Well, the experts have kind of said that you have to take out about 4% a year as a safe withdrawal rate to not, you know, burn your money down and run out of money. 
So I did the calculations, Kim, and in order to equal or have a nest egg big enough after that 40 years to equal the Social Security benefit of 34000 you'd have had to build that 177 up to about 858000 And do you know what rate of return you have to get every year to achieve that? What? Eight and a half percent. Wow. That's pretty difficult to do over 40 years. It it is difficult. And people think 8%. Well, the market does 8%. I'm sure I could do that. But uh, there's a company called Dalbar, which actually studies all these things. And what they have found is the average investor doesn't even come close to that. I mean, they do between like 2 and 4% a year. So even if we're generous, Kim, we say the smart investor does 4 you know, they don't have 858 after the 40 years. They've got 340,000. So here's your two choices now, and neither one's very good. One, you could take the 34,000 a year to match Social Security, but you'll be out of money in 10 years. Mm-hmm. Or you can have the other choice that is not that attractive and cut your income down to about 13,600 a year. And but you're and it's still not guaranteed that that's going to last forever. Mm-hmm. So when you look at it from that point of view, I mean, actually, I I think it's a pretty hard deal to beat. Well, yeah, it certainly is, and uh, that's one of the things that that I think people need to realize is that you, Jason, and you know your colleagues over there at Presidential Wealth Management. You know, you really focus, and and you can tell by all the preparation that you do, you really focus on people's own personal economy, their own personal well-being. And um, I know that you're willing to sit down with people and go through, you know, kind of the planning uh, as Social Security is a part of their, you know, their component. And uh, so that they can be assured that their personal economy is going to be working for them, you know, in the future. So um, uh, I know that you're willing to sit down with people and talk with them about that. Well, that's right, and this would just be part of it. We try to take the same kind of thinking, whether it's Social Security, a pension, uh, what order do you take money out of your IRAs or other investments and figuring out expenses, (coughs) excuse me, correctly. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I think you do have to really dig in and try to be as accurate as possible. Uh, You know, kids, kind of like a video game up until you actually retire it's just kind of numbers sort of but once you actually have to live on that money you depend on it for a paycheck every month it's 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 not a game anymore it it becomes real very very quickly well that's for sure so if you'd like to talk with jason mcbride about your own personal economy uh, you can uh, check out chickspresidential.com that's chickspresidential.com that's our landing page together there's all kinds of great information there your podcast everything so jason thanks so much we'll talk to you tomorrow Thanks, Kim. Bye-bye. You bet. And we're going to go to break. When we come back, Rob Nadelson, you know him. He is a a former constitutional law professor. He's the um, uh, senior fellow of jurisprudence over at the Independence Institute. He is an excellent author. Uh, But he has a recent piece, Advocates of Socialism Should Know Its Horrific History. And uh, so we're going to go to break. When we come back, we'll be talking with Rob Nadelson. Dan Predovich and his team at Predovich & Company help your business plan ahead financially. The AmeriChicks with Kim Munson highly recommends Predovich & Company as your financial business consultant. Predovich & Company will take care of your tax preparation, bookkeeping, and business advisory services. 
Dan Predovich and his team want to learn the unique needs of your business through real, honest dialogue. Because of their advanced technological capabilities, Predovich and Company can help clients anywhere in the United States. Call 303-791-3000 to start preparing now for next year's tax season. Organize your business finances with Predovich and Company. Call 303-791-3000 today. You want to succeed, so you need to dress for the job, event, or relationship that you seek. For over 30 years, entrepreneur, stylist, and Americhick Kim Munson has been helping women look their very best. And guys, Kim can help you with made-to-measure shirts that fit great and you'll love to wear. Guys and gals, if you want to up your game and freshen your look, email Kim at Americhicks.com for your initial style consult. Kim at Americhicks.com. Hey, welcome back to the Americhicks with Kim Munson, where we dissect issues as right versus wrong instead of right versus left, agree or disagree. Let's have a conversation. Be sure and check out my website, Americhicks.com. Sign up for our emails. I'm thrilled to have on the line with me Rob Nadelson. Uh, He has written a very important piece. It was in the Complete Colorado uh, advocates of socialism should know its horrific history. And Rob, in uh, the uh, earlier segments, we were talking about there is a, a known uh, communist that is now on Denver City Council. Uh, what is going on and what can we do about it? I don't think people understand what socialism and communism really does. Well, first, Kim, it's uh, thrilling to me to be back with you. Um, and I concur. You're right. I mean, one of the things I started off with in the article is that uh, that critics of the public school system must be congratulating themselves in kind of a gruesome way because it's clear that the schools have not been teaching recent history. Socialism is probably the most debunked uh, political system in the world, and uh, and yet it keeps coming up. And every generation, you've got more people who say, good, this sounds like a really good idea. And it's a, it's a horrible idea just in the 20th century alone. It caused tens of millions oh, of deaths. Yeah. Um, and many of the countries that our local homegrown socialists point out as uh, countries that they would like to be like have, in fact, distanced themselves of largely abandoned socialism. Well, yeah, and I think people don't realize, and uh, you were going through the uh, the totals, and I had, I had researched these as well, that it's under socialist governments, because ultimately social uh, socialism and communism gets to force, and ultimately force can get to death. And so in communist China, they don't know the official count, because they didn't keep count, but they estimate anywhere from 40 to 80 million people died. In Russia, 30 to 40 million. Nazi Germany, and Nazi stands for National Socialist German Workers' Party, uh, perhaps 11 million. Uh, I think in Cambodia, that uh, Pol Pot, I think that they, uh, I think there was over like 1.2 million, but the problem was there were only 6 million people in the country. I mean, you don't do well as a regular person under socialism. No, if you have... Um political connections, you may be able to get by uh, for what passes as uh, elite luxuries. So in the Soviet Union, for example, if you were a very good boy or girl and belonged to the Communist Party, you might get a nice two-bedroom apartment in Moscow. That, w- that would be your kind of pinnacle of opportun- opportunity. Others might have two-bedroom apartments, but they might have to pit- put 
two, two or three families. Mm-hmm. And so um, what socialism does, one of the things it does is it creates uh, enormous inequalities. I mean, people think of socialism as rectifying inequality and having more equality. That's not really true because the people who, um, uh, the people who are, are connected uh, wind up receiving all kinds of perks which don't look very impressive from our standpoint but uh, serve to distinguish them greatly from, uh, from the rest of the people. Recently, um, I reread a classic, uh, George Orwell's 1984, and I was struck by the continuing relevance of that book. And one of the things he points out is that members of the inner party had all these little luxuries that every, everybody else didn't have, like, like real coffee, for example. But from our standpoint, they would, they would be viewed as insignificant. You know, speaking of that, I was thinking about Venezuela. Venezuela, uh, you know, was is a country that has many, many resources. And I remember when it was thriving and prospering. Now people don't have enough food. They don't have toilet paper. They don't have coffee. And uh, I was in a, one of our supermarkets just recently, and I, I just was in awe. of There was chickens on rotisseries, and there was any kind of dessert you wanted. And I'm thinking... How is it that people don't see that this great benefit of capitalism where we have all these choices where we can trade our hard-earned dollars for the products that we want? I just don't, I don't understand, Rob. I'm, I'm troubled by this well, romance one, with socialism. One, one, reason, one reason, as I mentioned, is the failure of the education system. Also, of course, most people have never been abroad and been in socialist countries. Um, let, let me get, just to, to tell you an anecdote from, from my own experience. In the 1970s, when I was in law school, I took a few weeks off and I went to Great Britain. And that, that was the so-called winter of discontent. This was the height of British, so, British socialism. And it was a truly gloomy place. I mean, nothing was working. The phone system was lousy. The transportation system was lousy. Uh, the workers were always on strike. The inflation rate was outrageous. I mean, it was just a horrible, dark, gloomy situation. Well, I did not return to Britain for 25 years. 25 years later, in 1999, uh, my wife and I went back to uh, England, and and it was, I, it was the changes were indescribable. Uh, for one thing, m- many things that have been socialized, such as the coal business and the transportation business and the airports, had all been uh, had all been privatized. But the standard of living had soared. People were upbeat. They were happy. It wasn't just that they were wealthier. They had smiles on their faces. What happened? What happened in that 25 years? The answer is Margaret Thatcher happened. Margaret Thatcher largely, um, not as much as she would have liked, but in many ways dismantled British socialism, giving Britain a chance to thrive. Today, uh, again, we have our local socialists pointing to Great Britain. Today, Great Britain ranks higher on indexes of economic freedom than we do. In fact, they are, in fact, less socialist than we do. We are in everything except their, their uh, health care system, and their health care system has been, has been moving in our direction, or at least moving in a capitalist direction. Um, and, and yet, and here's the story, Kim, that later on I, I talked to one young woman about... Um, uh, about the changes in Britain, and I, I believe that she was British. Uh, remarkable changes in Britain, and, and I said it's all because of one extraordinary woman. And this person's response was, 
Yes. Princess Diana did a lot, didn't she? <laughs> oh, my gosh. You know, here, here was this Brit who had no concept of what, of what, uh, her, uh, what her own prime minister had done for the country. Uh, and I saw that was common in Britain. I, I was at one uh, a party at Oxford because I was living at Oxford um, and reading at the university there. And uh, I, I remember uh, my cousin, uh, who lived in uh, Great Britain, uh, bad-mouthing uh, privatization and bad-mouthing uh, Margaret Thatcher. And another Oxonian, uh, Oxford woman, came over to, to him and said, Miriam, do you remember what it was like? You know, for example, <laughs> consider the phone system. You couldn't get a telephone call through, and you had... Lots of choices in phones, so long as they were all rotary dial mm-hmm. and black. Mm-hmm. You know? and, and Miriam sat and she listened, and she said, you know, you're right. You're right. I guess Margaret Thatcher had to, had to do some things. And that was a hard admission for her because she was a laborite. She was a, a, a moderate socialist. But, um, but people forget. And uh, that's the reason why the education system has to remind people that uh, – of socialism, socialism's record, and also of the heroes who have turned it back. Not Princess Diana, right. <laughs> but people like Margaret Thatcher um, and Roger Douglas in New Zealand, who turned New Zealand into the third freest, eco- uh, economically freest country in the world, and so forth. Well, you talk about the education system, Rob Nadelson, and uh, I really think that the government-run public education system is letting our kids down. Instead of focusing on teaching these important things, uh, you know, one of the things I've been concerned about is this um, this sex education bill uh, that is now law here in Colorado. Instead of teaching kids and, and helping them learn the tools to critically think, you know, and understand history, uh, you know, we're we're not focusing, I don't think, on the things that kids need to learn. And are you encouraged? Are we going to turn this back? We just had this uh, this young woman that was elected to city council in Denver who says she is a communist and is, is wants to redi- redistribute um, wealth, uh, and, and her quotes are just absolutely amazing. Steve gave those in the earlier segments regarding capitalism. I mean, ultimately, I, I mean, I just see big danger here. What are we going to do, Rob Nadelson? Well, of course, public education is a key here. One of the things is that understanding that um, – the way the left operates in our own country is largely out of the socialist playbook. So, for example, you saw um, over the weekend, we saw, this is very heartening, two million people taking to the streets in Hong Kong mm-hmm. to resist the demands of the, of the uh, communist socialist government in, in, uh, in, on the mainland. And they were successful. They were successful in turning, turning it back. Well, there's an article in Bloomberg News this morning which points out that one of the great reasons for the success of those mass demonstrations, when similar demonstrations five years ago did not succeed, was that this time the demonstrators had the backing of the business community. Now, there's a lesson there. What is it about business that made the difference? The answer is that business is, an indiv- is, a, is a separate center of power. It's a separate center of power from the government. It's different. Similarly, families are traditionally independent centers of power. You know, a lot of decisions are made in families rather than in the government. Um, Religious denominations, religion is traditionally 
uh, separate from uh, it's a separate center of power and influence. The states in our federal system are se- separate centers of uh, power and, and influence from Washington D.C. Now, what if all what do all those things have in common? Well, besides the fact that they're separate centers of power and influence, they're all on the socialist hit list. You know, you think about the way the left attacks, um, the way they attack families, traditional fa- family values, such as getting the public schools uh, involved in what should be a family discussion, uh, how they hate corporations, how they constantly try to denigrate, denigrate state rights, states' rights, how they denigrate, denigrate traditional religions. The, the reason is that what they're trying to do is they're attacking outside centers of power. They want everything to be concentrated in the government that they, that they can control without inconvenient resistance from others. Same thing with the right to keep and bear arms. As long as you've got an armed citizenry, you've got some potential resistance to a socialist central government. So if when people under, understand, aha, that's what's going on, when they come to understand that, then uh, a large part of the battle will be will have been won. Okay, we're going to go to break, and I, I want to talk with you about how we're doing in that battle right now, if you're encouraged. So this is Kim Munson with the AmeriChicks. We're talking with Rob Nadelson. We'll be right back. Award-winning realtor Karen Levine has 30 years of experience with REMAX Alliance. As a director with the National Association of Realtors, Karen Levine works to protect your private property rights. Karen Levine believes in home ownership. Since losing her mother to breast cancer, Karen Levine has helped to organize a local fundraising event called Karen's for the Cure, raising money for breast cancer research. Choose Karen Levine to buy or sell your home because she understands that it's more than just a house. Karen Levine comes highly recommended by the AmeriChicks with Kim Munson. So call award-winning realtor Karen Levine with REMAX Alliance today at 303-877-7516. That's 303-877-7516. Come join the 88 Drive-In for all your favorite blockbuster movies. We're open seven days a week. Admission is only $9 per person and children under 12 are free. Friday, June 14th through Thursday, June 20th, features will include Aladdin, Dark Phoenix, and John Wick Chapter 3 Parabellum. And remember our popular Monday through Thursday pizza special. Get one 12-inch pizza served fresh and hot from our oven and two tall, cool 16-ounce sodas, all for only 12 bucks. Plus, now you can top it all off with our new sweet, crunchy churros and a steaming cup of hot chocolate. For more information, go to our Facebook page or visit our website at 88 drivein.net you get more out of life when you go out to a movie Welcome back to the Ameritix with Kim Munson, where we dissect issues as right versus wrong instead of right versus left agree or disagree let's have a conversation having a really important conversation with Rob Nadelson he is a former constitutional Law professor, he is the senior fellow of uh, jurisprudence over at the Independence Institute. Uh, and very important books that you've written, as well as these um, these uh, publications that you do on a regular basis. They are so good. This one that you did recently, in uh, it was in the Complete Colorado, Advocates of Socialism Should Know Its Horrific History. Everyday people don't do very well under socialism. And what I have, fa- I, I can't, I honestly can't figure out this whole elite mentality because I, I do really believe in this, this American idea that we're all created equal. 
and have these rights to pursue life, liberty, and, and happiness. But that is antithetical to socialism. How are we doing right now, do you think, in America regarding this big push to socialism and communism? Well, uh, before I get, get to this, let me just mention, to try to answer your question is, you know, why do people get into this elite mentality? You know, if you've owned a dog or if you've been around dogs as I, as I have, you realize that dogs operate largely by hierarchy, where people trade among themselves as equals for the most part. Uh, dogs have this, uh, they order their society according to, you know, who's top dog and who's bottom dog and so forth. Well, we have a certain tendency of that as well in our own, uh, in our own genes. And it's, it's always kind of a struggle. The, the capitalist side of us wants to just trade with others and make deals and, and, and peaceably get along. The socialist side of us wants to be dogs. I mean, we want, kind of want to be top dog. And it, it's the fact that we're all living like dogs sometimes makes le- less difference to people than, than, than the opportunity to be top dog. And so really, you know, you can think of socialism as a kind of a, a canine form of social organization. Now, as to, <laughs> wow. as to, uh, <laughs> as to uh, how we're doing, I'm pessimistic about the United States right now. I'm very optimistic globally. I was looking this morning at the latest ranking from the Heritage Foundation of economic freedom, uh, those countries which are uh, – all the countries in the world are ranked by economic freedom. Uh, and I'm just going to read you the top ten very quickly and ask you what do most of them have in common. Well, number one is Hong Kong. Number two is Singapore. Number three, New Zealand. Number four, Switzerland. Number five, Australia. Number six, Ireland. Seven, United Kingdom. Eight, Canada. Nine, United Arab Emirates. And ten, Taiwan. You know, the United States is no longer in the top uh, That's astounding. In, in the top ten. We, you, we used to be about third. Uh, but since the uh, later Bush administration and the Obama administration have done their magic, uh, we've, we've slipped down, down the list. Okay, now going through the, that list, one of the things you noticed about it is that of those top ten, eight of them, uh, six of them, I think, are, are either Great Britain or former British colonies. There is an enormous, a, a very great, a uh, history of freedom that ca- came with the British Empire and with British culture. That's remember. Remember, I mentioned about the socialist or left-wing playbook. Mm-hmm. They're really into multiculturalism to downplay our Anglo-American, our, our English uh, uh, tradition, and, and as well as our traditions from other places. Well, that's part of it. See, that that English tradition is very heavily connected with law, with freedom, with individualism, and so forth. And that's antithetical to socialism. The second thing you know, notice about countries on the list is like, like the United Kingdom, like Canada, like New Zealand, uh, like Ireland, they're, they're countries that you traditionally associate as socialist, but they're really not socialist anymore. Uh, they, they, they have mixed economies, that's, that's to be sure, but they're freer than we are economically. And that's because of trends in the world of which Margaret Thatcher was a part uh, in the 80s and 90s and 2000s, and these trends in, in favor of freedom uh, continue. The United States, on the other hand, which used to rank about third, is now 12th, and which isn't which isn't low. It's it's still reasonably high, but uh, we have had a lot of trouble maintaining our tradition of freedom uh, under the relentless assault of the um, 
the academic and governmental and foundation elites and so and, and journalistic elites. And so I'm less optimistic about the United States. Well, we need to be making the case in the battle of ideas that is raging in America today. That's one of the reasons why I do this show is so that we can be having conversations about what's really going on out there. I had uh, been asked to speak at a meeting uh, right here in the metro area before the elections for Denver City Council. And there was a woman who uh, unseated an incumbent on Denver City Council. And I, I listened to her speak and I thought she is very polished she is saying not much, but she's saying it very well because she was in front of a, a more conservative group. And so I did a little bit of research. And yes, in fact, she was part of this whole Emerge group. And she was elected. And uh, I, I realized that this is very well organized. I think that, that freedom-loving people have been uh, asleep at the wheel a bit on just this... Um, very organized, powerful movement to t- uh, to have have people elected to uh, school boards, city councils, you know, all the way up to Congress now. And what can you know, we do? What can we do about it, Rob? Well, you know, um, I don't think there's any one answer. Um, I certainly think it's really important to support the Convention of States movement. As you know, um, I signed on to that movement mm-hmm. back in September after. Uh, doing some research in that area. The Convention of States movement seeks to uh, adopt constitutional amendments that restore some of the limits to the federal government that were in the original Constitution. Uh, We in America have a long history of using constitutional amendments very successfully to implement reforms. And uh, what basically what the Convention of States movement is doing is they're collecting state legislative resolutions. They've got 15 of them now. When they've got 34, we're going to have a convention for proposing amendments uh, like term limits, for example, or a balanced budget or other efforts uh, to, uh, to restrain the federal government. When I was in academia, which I was for full-time for 30, uh, 25 years and part-time for six years, I I came to learn that many of the bad ideas that infest our universities actually come down from the federal government. They're the product of federal agencies, federal aid, uh, carefully planted grants, and so forth. There are also private uh, leftists working uh, to to seed the system. I mean, a famous example is George Soros. He's got a right to do what he wants with his money, but people need to be aware that this is happening, and uh, people on our side who have money need to support um, uh, need to support freedom-loving institutions. Let me just mention one other. This sounds like a crass commercial message, but I think it's a legitimate one. We see conservatives who have money often giving uh, big grants to the University of Colorado and to other universities. That's not a good investment for your money. Uh, you're far better off giving money to an organization like the Independence Institute, for example, which supports freedom and will use the money far more efficiently than any university would. So it is, a, it is kind of a source of frustration when I see uh, conservative donors giving money to, to universities, where I know from my personal experience working at universities that it's going to be misused. Oh my gosh, that's um, for they, sure. When they, when they could be giving, when they could be giving money 
uh, to freedom uh, to freedom loving organizations like the Independence Institute or like the Americhicks. <laughs> That's for sure. So. Or like the Americans. Or like or like the Convention of States movement. You got you it. Know? So Well Rob we, hey, we, have, we are we, out of time. Uh, it always goes so quickly with you. Thank you so much. Thank you, Kim. Okay. Uh, that was Rob Nadelson. And uh, our quote for today is from Alexis de Tocqueville. He was a French philosopher and statesman. And he came to America, and uh, he was just enamored with the American idea. But what he said is, democracy and socialism have nothing in common but one word, equality. But notice the difference. While democracy seeks equality and liberty, socialism seeks equality and restraint and servitude. So today, read great books, think good thoughts, listen to beautiful music, communicate and listen well, live honestly and authentically, strive for high ideals, and like Superman, stand for truth, justice, and the American way. This is Kim Munson signing off. God bless you. And God bless America.